Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Outside, and it's an area of the city in need of a game changer, but there are concerns about the project itself, about how it's being planned, and about how all of this fits into the ongoing revitalization of the South Side. This weekend, we're going to explore those questions. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Well, this week, Karen Lewis, president of the Chicago Teachers Union, and Greg Kelly, local head of the health care branch of the Service Employees International Union, teamed up to say that they are joining the so-called Community Benefits Coalition. That's a coalition of groups pushing for a signed agreement guaranteeing jobs and other benefits to the communities around the Obama Center development. So far, the Obama Foundation, which will build the library and community resource, has resisted such demands. Well, we want to hear from people within the community in this half hour. And to that end, I would like to welcome Anton Seals, Jr. He is a co-convener with the coalition known as Southside Works and uh, also a community coordinator with DePaul University. He is also uh, uh, one of the uh, conveners of that Community Benefits Coalition. And we are also joined by Tanya Love Trice, the executive director of South Shore Chamber Incorporated. That's a business group that is working to build a stronger, more sustainable South Side community. Ms. Trice and Mr. Seals, welcome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Well, let's uh, let's start off by talking about the uh, the Obama Presidential Center because it frankly is the the biggest game happening uh, right now in the area among many. Uh, there were several calls for a community benefits agreement. Uh, what are the concerns, uh, Anton Seals, around Jackson Park and the rest of South Shore? Well, I think that there are a lot of concerns. I think for uh, residents and stakeholders. But I think uh, before we get to, into the concerns, I think there's this uh, somewhat of an excitement as well around what's happening, um, that this kind of game changer is much needed. But I think that it's also being met by uh, some um, cautiousness around how our city that works works <laughs> in a way. So uh, I think at the core of it is uh, one is around the park itself, uh, the landmark status, the land, the uh, issue of public space. I think uh, the other big critical issue is around the uh, amount of resources that will be used for the development of that. Um, and embedded in that are the closures of these main thoroughfares and the reshaping of that. I think that's a real big piece of it that the taxpayers will have to foot the bill for. Uh, also embedded in this is also the the issue of, you know, kind of the equitable kind of uh, sharing of resources. So I think that, uh, while we can't just lean on hope around, uh, given that uh, it's not just the president, it is also other actors who have not been uh, uh, forthcoming always in terms of the delivery of uh, goods and services on certain parts of the city. And this happens to be one of the main ones. You know, we don't have the kind of divestment you had in the communities that surround the, where this potential project is outside of High Park. 
right? So Hyde Park is pretty much the magnet that has attracted all of the resources. Uh, and so this is a big concern for uh, residents in Woodlawn and residents in South Shore and residents in Grand Crossing, which is the other community that is often forgotten about as well. So while there's a lot of energy and excitement and development that is happening, there are concerns around uh, will this project continue to just to enrich the, the, the people who are already in position? Uh, so are we going to keep making people who are already in position richer? Or is it going to be uh, an opportunity to equally create more wealth building uh, across the South Side, in particular in these neighborhoods? Um, Tanya Trice, I want to ask you about the the business perspective. Uh, I assume there is a lot of excitement uh, about this for what it could do for business in the in the area. Um but is that tempered somewhat also? Well, you know, I think the business community is very excited about the opportunity of the um, Presidential Center coming to South Shore. And the hope is that uh, with the level of tourism that the library will bring to the South Shore community, that the economic opportunities will trickle down to the local businesses. Uh, the South Shore Chamber is working very hard to make sure that the local businesses are ready for the influx of uh, new clients and new business opportunities. Uh, We are working to train and attract businesses into the area. After all, what business would not want to be within a mile of a presidential library or presidential center? So we're excited about it, and uh, we look forward to the growth. Um, Do you feel it's a good thing that the two powerful unions are have gotten involved, uh, what forces do they bring to bear? Uh, and and is, it a, is there a potential for it being more confrontational than, for, I mean, because you've struck a very solid balance when you, when you talked about this. Right. Uh, are, are, is there any worry that having strong, very forceful unions uh, involved it could, you know, topple that balance a little bit? Well, um, no. I think um, the reason that the uh, Chicago Teachers Union and SEIU um, joined is the critical issue around this labor piece. In particular, their their unions are made up of um, many uh, black men and women, um, many um, Latino men and women who make up uh, SEIU and the teachers unions kind of rank and file. And what we've seen is a shrinkage in those um, percentages in terms of black teachers um, in particular in Chicago due to the kind of advancements or growth that has happened when we have a certain kind of philosophy that has been governing our city for the last, you know, almost 20 years, essentially. So I, I kind of pick it up as a post Harold Washington piece. So embedded for them is this question around the starving of public uh, resources, Right. So I think critical to this question is much bigger than just the Obama Center, right? And this is a push to call on leadership and about his legacy around, well, what exactly is in the public square? What belongs to the public? And how much of this is being privatized in the name of the public good, right? And these are critical issues that I think that the unions have to lift up because they're most impacted. Their members are most impacted by the both uh, passive and aggressive forms of privatization that are that is occurring in our country. Um, and so critical to that question is around um, our expectations and norms that we have 
uh, built on around what race means for many, who gets access to what. So at the core of this is around redistribution of wealth. When you have such a huge imbalance of wealth inequality, where you have white families at 13 times the amount that black families have, I mean, what will right size that besides public policy? And I think that will be, I think what we're seeing and we're living through now is the painful kind of either uh, denial of that this has happened and happening and that we have to go through this kind of truth telling and process. I think uh, in terms of this balance, I think what we want to do is to be able to keep that balance because we're all human. So we know that we have to be able to keep pushing towards the truth. If we want to talk about positive and empowerment kind of ideas, you have to start at the core, which is acknowledgement of the truth and then figuring out how to compensate for the harms that have been done to communities via public policy um, in particular. So I think all of that is embedded in why the unions are joining. They have to be able to protect their, uh, their members. Um, let's you, and this is a perfect point at which to broaden this to the, a number of things going on on the South side. Um, what is the, and I'll, I'll throw this first to you, uh, Tanya, what is the, the hope or the expectation for this area with or without a community benefits agreement, you know, what do you want to see? Well, you know, um, Craig, the south side of Chicago has um, suffered inequities for a very long time. And the fact of the matter is from 47th Street to 95th Street, east of the Dan Ryan, over a billion dollars annually leaves our community because we don't have the service and suppliers uh, in the community. We are hoping that um, this capital project will bring those resources back to our communities. Um, a lot of times uh, retailers and developers are not interested in coming into minority communities that have um, not been, um, um, that does not have a demographic makeup of uh, less than 40% uh, minorities. And we are hoping that this will attract uh, a diverse group of developers into the community without displacing all the residents that are currently living there. Um, we have suffered for many years without the services uh, that other communities um, receives. So we are hoping that uh, we can have investment uh, in our businesses and our schools, major projects, and just attract more resources to the community at large. Is there, is there a worry that, businesses also could be displaced? Well, there is a concern that uh, with the development of these projects, big boxes will come in and displace these small retailers or um, home-based businesses or micro-businesses. However, uh, the South Shore Chamber works to stabilize those businesses and create niche businesses that uh, have a specific clientele base that you may not be able to find in some of the big boxes. Anton Seals, you're with uh, South Shore Works, so uh, obviously uh, these are things that are very important to you, too. How is your group fitting into this uh, vision of South Shore's redevelopment? Well, I mean, I think, if to go back, I think that there it's made up of groups like the Chamber, um, who have been the kind of foundation, foundational kind of coordinating bodies to kind of think through, like, when we do come together, like, what is the big vision that we all share? Uh, and I would say that that's been you know, an ongoing effort. And I think 
from our point of view is that um, for South Shore, um, here you have a rich cultural black uh, community um, that we want to make sure that continues to grow, that we want to attract. We want to do what is not really talked about right now, which is attracting young black families, young people, um, period, to come back and, you know, invest in these neighborhoods, either as homebuyers or as renters. I think we have a unique mix of kinds of people in our community who um, crisscross the economic uh, spectrum um, from those who are on subsidized, you know, housing um, vouchers to those who are living in a, uh, a mini mansion in the in the Highlands. So I think within that is embedded the kind of that everyone wants a certain kind of way of life. And I think that that sometimes gets really tricky. Um, but I think within one neighborhood, we're attempting to kind of really lift up what we have in terms of our assets that are already present. We have a ton of uh, black professionals who have lived there. We've got a ton of uh, young, scrappy entrepreneurs. Uh, we've got a ton of young people who have been traumatized by violence, who are, against all odds, um, reshaping and retelling and redoing their lives. So I think that all of that is present in this one neighborhood. So to think of it as just one static thing as, you know, this kind of mobile, you know, um, middle-class black neighborhood would be a mistake. It's a very diverse neighborhood currently. Um, Let me ask you to talk about that trickiness for a bit. Um, because when President Obama came to town uh, some time ago, uh, he and he was asked one of his reasons for not uh, wanting a community benefits agreement is he said there are so many voices, such a diverse number of opinions in the area that if he concentrates on one group that he feels he'll be leaving out another. How do you form one vision when there are so many different interests to satisfy? Well, I mean, this is um, and that's a great question because, you know, this has been our push to the president. He was the president of the United States. He was the first African-American president of the United States. So when you talk about the different kinds of voices, he was in the <laughs> the swamp, as the, uh, the current president would describe, <laughs> of all of those voices, you see. So if you were able to provide leadership in that way, I think that there's ways that we would be able to figure out, like, how do we get to not doing business as usual? How do we get beyond us in 10 years talking about what used to be and what we missed the mark? Someone has to be able to step out and build a tent big enough to encompass all of those kind of voices, right? Uh, embedded in that are is a history of people who have risen to prominence in leadership, quote unquote, who do not have the faith of the people, right? These aren't necessarily elected people, at all. These are people who are representatives of the community. But I think that the tension underneath that is because certain folks have been empowered or have gained position that there's a distrust. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that it's going to be important for this uh, library and for the president's le- legacy, because it's not to be clear, it's not just about this particular library. Mm-hmm. It's about, as Tanya talked about, all of the catalytic stuff that would follow. Right. And the way that the city is developing now, most of that wealth is concentrated in one community, and that's the white community. Right. They have 13 times the amount of wealth. So, you know, that's a huge imbalance. So these are the things that we have to be really mindful of. And these are things that I don't think that we're I'm not our group are not hoping about. We're telling and demanding 
as taxpayers, as citizens in this country, that the government must do better. So I think that's a big part of it. And Tanya Trice, let me just quickly get your thoughts on the on unifying a vision uh, from so many voices. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think it's important that we do understand the community is very diverse, as Anton said, all demographic levels, all income levels, but they make up the community. And it's important that we make sure that everyone living in South Shore has a voice, has a place in the community after the uh, uh library is built and that these people are not displaced. We want development, but we want development without displacement. Uh, We have, um, as Anton mentioned, young professionals. We have lower income families and upper income families. And we want to make sure that there's a place for everyone in the community. And united, we can do that. That's why I'm so excited to be working with the other pillar organizations in the community like South Shore Works and the Black United Fund and the Planning Coalition. Each one of these organizations brings a different voice and a different perspective to the development of the community. And uh, we have to work together as well as work with the elected officials to make sure that um, everyone's voice is heard and South Shore is there for, you know, growth and, and future development. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We are talking about redevelopment of Chicago's South Shore, and my guests are Tanya Trice, director of the South Shore Chamber, and Anton Seals, Jr., with South Shore Works and a host of other organizations that it would take <laughs> I say I'm a community room. brother at large. <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk about if the Obama Center were the only thing happening in South on South Shore and in, in, in that area, uh, it would be a lot. But there is a lot more going on. I mean, there's the uh, Michael Reese property. There's redevelopment of Jackson Park's golf course. Uh, how do you keep it all on course? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I think one of the things that um, when we started this work and I'm just kind of switching hats back and forth between, um, you know, the coalition in a way, the the CBA coalition started around this uh, idea where we were a group called the Bronzeville Regional Collective. Right. And it was not focused on the neighborhood of Bronzeville, but uh, it was dealing with what your question is, is asking, which is around this more regional approach. Right. And that Bronzeville represents, in a way, black people in the city is a, a, a moniker, uh, for lack of a better word. And so I think um, one of the things that we are really, you know, trying to move beyond is this kind of really kind of balkanized kind of neighborhood centric, which is, you know, a plus for many Chicagoans. But it's also sometimes our Achilles heel when we're not working across the street because you're in Grand Crossing or I'm in South mm-hmm. Shore or you're in. And I think that there's the feeling of that, but embedded in that, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and you have to have the right key people to help uh, who have uh, the sincerity um, and, and leadership, which is a big piece. So, yes, there's a lot of change and development that's happening all on the South Lakefront region, um, from all the way from Michael Reese, all the way to the proposed um, development in South Chicago. Um, so there's these are huge changes. So, uh Part of it is coming together to as as the residents who have lived in these ca- uh, communities that have been under-resourced around when resources do come, how are they then distributed? Mm. That is at the core. Uh, for for the business communities, uh, what are the special considerations that have to be 
marshaled as as these projects come in, and and I'm thinking it's probably some contracting is going to be is going to be an issue, but also uh, just the regular services. What are the things that people need to be keeping in mind, uh, Tanya Trice, when uh, these programs or these projects move forward? Well, thank you for asking that. And one of the key things is making sure that the residents are uh, ready and available for uh, job placement and workforce development. That's one thing that we're definitely working on in the South Shore community because these projects can come into the community, but if they do not offer job opportunity for the residents that live there, then it does not benefit the community at all. So um, that's one thing to keep in mind, also making sure that the local businesses are certified uh, to work on and receive the city and government contracts that are embedded into these projects as well. And um, just making sure that the local businesses have access to capital so that they can grow their businesses and make improvements and be ready for the influx of tourism and the economic growth. Uh, let me ask you about uh, one other project. Um, I think you started to allude to this. Uh, there are two European firms that, uh, one from Dublin, the other from Spain, are uh, hoping to develop the old U.S. Steel site, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the Southwark site. That's 440 acres that closed down a quarter of a century ago. I find that hard to believe because yeah. I was I remember covering that <laughs> but uh, but there's talk of 20,000 homes that is a huge project is there joy in the area over that project or worry I mean I think that there is uh, a little bit of both um, I think it's not as much worry as it was before um, I think that um to your point, and this is, goes back to this kind of CBA work that we're doing around mm-hmm. the city, is is that embedded, like if you're asking what the developers who are coming in, what does the community want? We think that that should be the role of the city, make sure that we are heightening up our this real issue around equitable development, around wealth building, based mm-hmm. out of the, the framework that the kind of racial wealth gap is the indicator. In 15 years, will these families... You know, incomes increase the homeowners, uh, you know, how will they um, given that the baby boomers are now the senior citizens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, How will they maintain their homes um, as they get older, as health care costs more? You know, what mechanisms will the government be able to help to help ease that so that they can maintain and grow wealth? Right. Um, So I think people are really somewhat excited about the 20,000 because it would change the dynamics in that neighborhood for sure. I'm from South Shore. My grandfather lived right there on 80th and South Shore Drive. So he lived right, be, you know, in back of the of the steel mills. And so I, we played on that little driveway that was a, uh, what now is a 41. <laughs> yeah. Um, that continues. <laughs> um, but I think for all of the uh, and this also is a unique um, space in terms of where black and brown families have existed and have created community for over a quarter century. Uh, in the South Shore, South Chicago kind of um, area. And Tanya Trice, let me ask you about one other thing, because uh, the South Shore Chamber is going to unveil its own community revitalization project. Uh, that is Renew 71. Yes, yes. Obviously, it focuses on 71st Street, but what's going to be different about uh, this effort? 
Well, you know, this is a really exciting uh, project that we're working on, and um, this group, uh, the 71st Street Advisory Committee, was uh, convened by 5th Ward Alderman Leslie Harrison. She pulled together a group of unique South Shore residents that have experience in planning and development, architectural um, entrepreneurs, myself, um, and we are putting together a plan to revitalize 71st Street focusing on three nodes of 71st Street, South Shore Drive, Jeffrey, and Stony Island. So October 21st, next Saturday, we are unveiling Renew 71, past, present, and future. And we will be focusing on how 71st Street looked in the past when it was a bustling business corridor, how it looks today, and the future. Uh, We have worked with an architectural firm who has put together concept boards that we will be unveiling uh, at this exhibit uh, next Saturday, October 21st. And we are just hoping to uh, give the public an opportunity to look at the rare opportunities and leverage development opportunities that are available in the South Shore community. We have some beautiful structures there. The housing stock is fantastic. Uh, the demographic is dense enough where any business that locates into the South Shore community can thrive. And we hope to unveil that and uh, help people to realize the opportunities that are available. Um, let me touch on one more thing. We only have a couple of minutes uh, left, but uh, and that's the elephant in the room uh, question about uh, what has been driving some people away. I mean, the most recent studies from the Metropolitan Planning Council and others suggest that people are leaving the south and west sides of Chicago, uh, even as revitalization is underway. Uh, a lot of them are citing crime. Uh, some of them are citing educational opportunities and that some schools still are lagging. What will turn things around on that score where, you're, where people aren't feeling that they're being driven out or, or they, they feel the need to leave? Well, I think with anything, it's economic growth and opportunity. You know, when you have more opportunity, more jobs, that diminishes the crime level in any community, and statistics show that. Uh, systematically, the school systems, um, you know, have been a bit of a concern over the past couple of years. But with improvements to the school system, uh, development and investment in communities, you will see the crime rates diminish. That's what creates good neighborhoods when you have opportunity. And unfortunately, we just have not seen the investment needed to change some of those dynamics around. Anton Seals. Yeah, I would echo the same thing. I think um, it is the role of government to help spur development. So I'm not, I think that's a false myth that, you know, that private industry does this alone. They follow the dollars. Government provides infrastructure dollars. When we are demanding that our fair share happen, I think that will help to create um, uh, on many levels a sense of the kind of like um, quality of life issues that are, are, exactly. are, are not being addressed. I think for many black families, the um, the fear of losing your child due to violence is a big driver. And the only way to repel that is to really deal with this kind of truth and reconciliation piece, which is at the core and it hits on many levels. And so at the core of that is around being accountable. If we're asking residents to be accountable, we're, we have to ask the same for our government to be accountable in the same ways. So that sense of accountability of truth and healing has to be present in order for our, because this is really a hard city to live in uh, for many people. And that is not, you can go somewhere else and it doesn't have to be 
a thing to live in a city, you know, you could just live. <laughs> um, very quickly, how good a partner has the city been up to now in that effort? Um, I think that that's varied between who you may ask. Um, I think that they have some initiatives that uh, have some glimmer. I'm, you know, of course, not a, a fan of who we have in office, but, you know, you can't take away what some of the other efforts because he's just one person within our city. Um, so that would be my answer. I think that there's uh, can be a lot, lot, lot more to, uh, to be done. Well, thank you both. That was Anton Seals, Jr. with South Shore Works, and Tanya Trice is director of the South Shore Chamber. Thank you for spending this half hour with me. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. Just follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 